All right, so we're continuing on our teaching on the concept of stewardship. That's what we talked about on the um, on our last session on the eighth, and so we're going to continue on um, in that area. Um, stewardship is one of the fundamental uh, principles of what we when we say what does it mean to be a man of destiny. Um, stewardship. Um, is one of the things, one of the fundamental qualities that we want to have as a part of our foundation. And it is uh, one of the pillars of the vision of, of Destiny Generation Church. And so I have a, a vision pillar definition that I'll give you here. So stewardship is what we'll talk about today. Um, objectives, three objectives. Number one, to understand the importance of practicing good stewardship and fulfilling kingdom purposes. Two, to identify the areas of our lives we are to steward over and the guidelines to be followed to operate in stewardship. And three, to establish a stewardship mentality towards kingdom resources. Now, Pastor David, what does stewardship mean to you? I have a uh, what we call our vision pillar definition of stewardship. When we say it's a vision pillar, what we're saying is that this is something that our church, we believe this is one of the things that holds up our church. If, for those that are in the building here, you see that there are two pillars that are structural um, here. And uh, if we take those things out, stuff starts to fall down. Okay, so when we say that that there is a a pillar for the vision of destiny generation we say if that fails stuff starts to fail and fall down right you can knock down walls but don't knock down the structural wall in your house okay because something's you know <laughs> you will create an elevator that only goes one way and that's down right okay because it's holding something up all right so when we think about stewardship, what are we saying? Stewardship is the acknowledgement that the spiritual, physical, financial, and relational resources entrusted to us belong to God and must be faithfully accounted for. That there are resources, things that I have, that are really stuff that I, 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 it's under my control but I have to be careful how I take care of it because God gave it to me. And the person who gave it to me is going to ask me how I did with what he gave me. All right. And we've been talking about that from a standpoint of spiritual resources, like the word of God and prayer. This time of prayer, that's why it's really important to me. Right. I, I, I want to continue to press you, brothers, that. Um, that we always be current and prompt and 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 um, particular about not missing our time of prayer. Like I get up in the morning when I know I got to come to prayer. I get up saying I got to get here because I'm going to talk to God and I'm going to fellowship with you, and that we're going to talk to God together, right? And so. Um, if you're here, you know, I was really pushing it and praying that I didn't get into a black eye situation as I was trying to get here this morning. I'm just I'm just saying I was I was moving 
And I have, you know, you try not to rely on the angels too much by doing stuff crazy when you're out on the road. But I was trying to get here. And um, and I want you to have that same kind of commitment to our time together because men have to, first of all, lead in prayer for the houses that they lead to be blessed. And then second, that this time together, it gives us a space to practice together talking to God and practice together hearing from God. So if you're in this environment that we're working to create here and then God begins to talk to you, maybe he doesn't sock like he doesn't say, hey, hey, David, it may not sound like like that. But if you have thoughts that are really, um, sometimes I'll be in an environment like this and then a thought will just come to me that didn't just come out of my own thinking. That can be God talking to me. So I'll write that thing down and then I'll, you know, pray about it and try to act on it if I believe it came from God, right? Stewardship says every resource I got, that there are spiritual resources, that there are physical resources. Um, this building is a physical resource. Your house is a physical resource. Um, that you have financial resources, right? The money, it's my money. I earned it. Hold it. Pump the brakes, bro. Pump the brakes. Okay? You have the money, but if you waste it, then you go back and start praying for God to give you more. He's going to say, hey, I gave you some, and you blew what I gave you. All right? But then also thinking about relationship as a resource. Um, that they, that. For those of us that are married, not everybody is. The wife that God gave you, is she still belongs to him. And he's grading how you treat her. Show me that from scripture. Well, first Peter tells me that my prayers will be hindered if I don't talk to her right. If, if I don't talk to her right, my ability to talk to God won't be right neither. So that means he's grading me on how I treat her. Now, some of this stuff is not like, it's stuff that we don't, um, there are things that we, we don't like to do but can do. Like, you know, for me, it's not a big deal, but my wife likes fresh flowers. I'm not going to go broke buying her a dozen roses. You understand what I'm saying? But then in my mind, I'm saying, as soon as I buy them, they're going to die. <laughs> but that's a good use of finances to invest in our relationship. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Or we was watching, we was watching, um, no, we weren't watching. We were on our way someplace and we were listening to the Christian radio station and it was talking about uh, marriages and somebody was promoting their book on marriage and how they had had a difficult situation. And, and then the guy said that he was 17 years into his relationship and found out that his wife likes it when he makes the bed. And, uh, and then my wife looked over at me and said, yeah, make the bed. <laughs> 
Now that may not seem like that's a super deep thing, but if it's, if it's gonna make my marriage go better, that's a good investment. Easy investment, right? But sometimes in a stewardship mindset, we think, well, it's, it's not important to me, so it shouldn't be important to that person. Now, the first thing I wanted to do was start to, you know, well, here's what I would like for you to do. But Lord said, pump the brakes. <laughs> Lady Nezra, God bless you if you're watching this. Much love. Okay. Sometimes when somebody tells you something that you could do better, the first thing we want to do is tell them, what, well, you could do this. Am I the only one? Okay, all right, all right. Don't be y'all, y'all play me. Now, this is the fellas, man. This is our tie, right? First time you come at me before before I even acknowledge that there is some truth to what you're saying, I want to come back at you. Okay, what I'm telling you is that that kind of mentality isn't a stewardship. My stewardship mentality says she belongs to God and I am accountable to God. So if what I can do here, even if it just even if it just messed with my pride or something I don't feel like is that deep, but it makes her feel better, it's worth the investment in the relationship. Does that make sense? All right. Um, so this is the review pieces here. We talked to you about the, the Greek word for, um, for a steward is oikinamos. It comes from two words, and we'll talk about there's oikos and namos. We'll talk to you about that. It literally means a person that is a house distributor, a manager, an overseer, um, a fiscal agent, a chamberlain, governor, and steward. Okay, let's go on to the next page. All right, so oikinamos comes from two words. Oikos means home or household. It can be a family dwelling or a temple as the, as the, the church is the house of God. Namos means to parcel out, to spread out, to give a piece, right? Um, you could use that word to say if a person was, was playing cards and they shuffled out a piece to each one. Namos has that same kind of mentality. But it's especially talking about food or um, um, food for, for animals that graze, like if you had sheep or cows and you had to give each one a little piece of food that's what the word namos is referring to now a house distributor is a is a person who is a manager or an overseer um a fiscal agent fiscal agent somebody that manages the finances someone who manages something of value now, listen, this is how God sees you and me. He sees it that he has hired us to manage something for him. Okay, go on to the next one. Um, a Chamberlain. When I said it before, I said, no, not Wilt Chamberlain. But see, some people is too young. They don't even know who Wilt Chamberlain is, right? Hallelujah. Uh, a Chamberlain speaks of an official with management of a sovereign's or noble's living quarters. In other words, the person who would take care of Buckingham Palace for Queen Elizabeth, their title would be called a chamberlain. They take care of private things of value. The implication is they take care of it, but it's not for them, right? They, be, they may be managing things of tremendous wealth, 
you know, they may be the ones who make sure that the gold such and such is polished and this famous painting is taken care of and, and so on, because some of that wealth in, in the palace goes back for centuries. So you got to know how to take care of it. A governor, the person charged with the direction or control of an institution or society, a ruler or chief magistrate that's appointed to govern a province, a person who manages another's property or financial affairs or who administers anything as the agent of another or others. When it talks about stewardship, what it's telling you is you handle stuff that you have to give an account to because it's really not yours. Sometimes we treat relational resources like they're ours, like she's my wife. And I'm not saying she's not your wife. What I'm telling you is she's still God's daughter. And even though her natural father may have given her to you at the altar, God never gave her away. Oh, they my children. I tell them what to do. Okay, hold it. Pump your brakes, bro. Pump your brakes. Yes, they are your children, but they still belong to God. Now, tomorrow I'm going to deal a lot with the stewardship of children. So I won't tell you more about that one today because we'll deal with that one tomorrow. All right. Uh, we got a working definition. Stewardship involves the responsibility of managing all that God has given you to be used to fulfill the purposes of Christ and to allow you to fulfill your personal destiny in the kingdom of God. So when we think about stewardship, it is, here's a list of everything that God has given me. In what he has given me, some portion of it is to fulfill what God wants to do on the earth, and some portion of it to, is to fulfill the assignment that God has for me in the earth. And both of those things go together. Does that make sense? God gives me stuff. And the stuff he's given me is to help his work go out. And then part of it is to help the assignment that he has for me to get done. All right. Um, it, turks, it takes a certain amount of resource for me to do the assignment of ministry that God has given me here in the church it takes a certain amount of resources to fulfill the work that I do for General Motors. And I and all of those things are working together. Say amen if that blesses you. All right, let's go on to the next one. Um, there is a key relationship in stewardship that I want to talk to you about. Okay, let's look at it. The key relationship is between the steward and the householder. That's the way the, um, in King James, it would call the person a householder. It might call them the good men of the house. Um, it's the same word, it's the same word oikos at the beginning, but the, 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 the Greek word for householder is oikos despotis, where we get the word like despot is like a dictator. So the person as a, this is, this is men of destiny. So at home, technically, the, the Bible calls you the head of the house. It literally says 
that you are the person who is intended by God to be the person who dictates what happens in the house. Now, men like that. Okay. But, 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 that comes with a heavy responsibility. Technically, you could call me the head of the church as the pastor. In one sense, I am the householder, but in another sense, I'm the steward and God is the householder. Now, on his behalf, I make sure stuff happens, but ultimately, everything that happens in the church, if the church is really God's church, is what he wants to happen, not what I want to happen. Because sometimes he tells me to do stuff I don't like. Guess what? The same thing is true in your home. If you want God to be the head of the home, then there's times you got to treat it like he is the person in charge. And what I do, I'm going to answer to him and I'm going to do things to make what goes well that's under my authority. All right. The key relationship, as we said, is between the steward and the householder. The, what the responsibility of the steward is to have the heart of your householder and to protect his or her interests. Let's look at Daniel chapter 6. We're going to read verses 1 through 4, and then we're going to read verses 20, 21 and 22. It shows you Daniel as a steward for the king. And it says, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. Satraps was just a, a governmental official title to be over the king, whole kingdom. And over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them. Stop there. Stop there. So there was one king, three governors and 120 satraps. That was the organ. If I was to put this in an org chart, that's what it would look like. All right? So each of the three governors would have 40, 80, 120. They would have 40 direct reports reporting to them. Got it? So do you see, see the hierarchy? There's the king. He's the one that has everything. He had three governors under him. Each one had 40 satraps reporting to him. Let's go back to the scripture. Now, why did he do this? So that the king, uh, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. That is an excellent picture of stewardship, right? If you're a satrap, man, you know that you got a boss that you answer to, but that boss got a boss that that person answers to as well. Like when I'm at work, I recognize that I have a boss and I'm responsible for things and for people. And I, pe there's people who I boss. Yeah, I, I tell, yeah, you come, you go, you hired, you fire. Yeah, I'm that dude. Okay, but hold it. There's a boss that I answer to too. All right? And so ultimately, there's, when you're in a company like as big as mine is, right? It goes all the way up and there's somebody who's primarily responsible to the shareholders. All right? Go on to verse number three. 
then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Stop there. Stop, 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 stop. All right. When you're a good steward and you learn how to handle the resources, you stand out. He was already stand out because there was only three of them. That meant that <laughs> what Daniel did as a governor with the 40 that were um, reporting to him was better than the other 80 and the other two governors. That's what that said, isn't it? Okay. So there was those three governors and Daniel was stand out. He was distinguished and he did better than everybody else in the whole realm. That's what the, the scripture says. Verse, go ahead to verse four. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Listen, 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 listen. Lord Jesus, may that be said of me. <laughs> I wish I could say I was that good. I, I wish I could. I cannot. I will not. Okay. But listen to what was said about him. It said that of the 120, so there were, there were in the king's government, three governors, 120 satraps. So 122 people in the government were hating all of Daniel's, according to the Bible, all of the 40 that reported to him, plus the other 80, hated him. The other two governors who was at his same level, they didn't like him neither. And they were gunning for him at work. You understand that term when I said it? Anybody ever had people gunning for you at work? You, you, know, you know what I'm talking about? You, you understand that? that they, they, weren't, they weren't excited, but the boss loved him because he was better than all of them. And when they tried to find some place where either he was at fault, meaning he did something knowingly wrong, or where he was in error. Error didn't, sometimes, listen, I make honest mistakes at work. That's an error. Do you see that? But sometimes, even when you make an honest mistake, they still blame you and fire you. Anybody know that, that that can be? It, don't, it didn't have to be that you was on purpose trying to destroy something, but you could make an honest mistake and you could still get fired. Okay. They were looking for honest mistakes, and God so blessed them, they couldn't even find honest mistakes on him. Woo, that's some good preaching, Pastor David. Okay, listen, that's what we're asking God to do for us in our stewardship. God, help me even to the point that they can't even find honest mistakes and take me out. All right, let's get down to verse 20 and 21 excuse me, 21 and 22. 
All right. Now, uh, stop, stop before there. After this, you know, the other part of the story says that this is where these satraps and governors had the king write a law that ultimately got Daniel through in the lion's den. They said, we can't find nothing against him except we find it against him and his God. So he's thrown in the lion's den. And um, all right, so look at, pick up at 21 and 22. Said, um, now after the lion's den, it says, then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him, that means before God. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Lord, may the God of heaven and earth be able to say of Pastor David E. Johnson that I have, that there's no fault in me before him or before the people who have assigned me to be a steward. May, may that be said of me at home. May that be said of me in, in my family. Um, now look at verse, look at verse 24. Going down to verse 24. I just, just for the sake of uh, completeness, I want to tell the rest of the story. Um, and the king gave the command, and they brought these men who accused Daniel, and they cast and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives, and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Mm-hmm. Um, now, remember the org chart? Okay, so I'm an org chart kind of guy because I live in an organization. So um, there were these three governors, 120 satraps. So Daniel had a 40, the other two had 40 apiece. And then the intention of the king was, was that he was going to make another level of leadership but and put Daniel over the other two, and the other two would have 60 apiece. And Daniel, those two were going to report to Daniel, who was going to be the one reported to the king. Now, in one day, the king laid off the two governors and 120, and he permanently laid them off, didn't he? And their families. Now, listen. The next set of governors and satraps, they, didn't, they, they did everything Daniel said. Daniel didn't ever have to, listen, nobody messed with Daniel for the rest of his career. How do you know? Because if somebody, <laughs> if you heard that, listen, the last people they hired, they messed with him. And they was in the lion's den. He didn't have no more problem when he went back to work. I'm just saying, God can promote you and get you out of trouble. And then, he, and then you don't have no more problem when he's done fixing the stuff that you've been dealing with. Okay, that's good preaching, Pastor David. All right, but go back to, to my PowerPoint. The ultimate goal in stewardship is to advance the interests of your master. That's the ultimate goal. Daniel said, listen, I did right by God, but I, boss, but I did right by you too. That's what I tell my boss, listen, man. 
I'm doing right by you. I wish I could say there was no fault or error, but I, I, my intention is to do right. And I work to do right by him too. Now, look at this third bullet here. You must see the needs of your immediate master and the ultimate householder and advance both of them simultaneously. Imagine if you are one of the satraps, you had to work for Daniel. You had to work for Daniel, but you also were supposed to work for the king. Sometimes people just work for their boss, but they don't realize that their boss has a boss too. You know, I was, I was at home and um, there was a certain amount of training we had to get done by the end of the year. Um, as, as Brother Tim would tell you, there's certain trainings that you had to do and they wanted you to make sure you got that training done by the end of the year. And uh, I had sent out the notice to my team. And then I'm at home enjoying my vacation and I get a text from my manager saying there was some members of your team that didn't get their training done. Well, see, now I'm feeling some kind of way because <laughs> my boss got to call me on vacation because y'all didn't do what I said. But I understand that my boss got a boss too. But he did tell me out of all of the managers in his area, I'm the only one he had to call. Now, see, I'm going to feel some kind of way when I see them people next year. I'm just... I'm just saying, I'm just saying, understand that you have a leader, but that leader has a leader too. That goes all the way up to the point where they're shareholders, if it's a publicly traded company. Ultimately, you got to recognize when you're a steward that you're answerable to God, but you're also answerable to the people that hired you or assign you. Ah, you know, they're not right. That, that has nothing to do with it. They weren't right in Daniel's case. Scripture didn't say that these people were saved. Daniel still said, I didn't do you any hurt. All right. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of thinking. Let's go on to the next one. Let's look at uh, our next sheet here. Let's look at 1 first, um, first Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. This is the Apostle Paul speaking, and he says, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. The main requirement of being a steward is that you be faithful. And there is no substitute for faithfulness. Faithful. You can be smart and skilled, but unfaithful. Faithful means that you're committed to the duty. Listen, um, I have to be Responsible. If something bad happens in my family, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not uh, 
exempt from the same things that happened to you? Have people died in your family? People die in my family too. Have people gotten sick in your family? People get sick in my family too. Have people had accidents and bad things happen to them? Bad things happen to me. I still have to decide when stuff happens, what's going to happen with the thing I'm responsible for. I need vacation like you need vacation. But when I'm on vacation, I got to keep in mind, did I leave the church in good hands when I'm gone? Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I, I want you to, why? Because stewards must be faithful. Now, in this passage of scripture, in this passage of scripture, um, one of the things that we see here is Paul said, as a minister, one of the things that I'm a steward of as a minister is the mysteries of Christ. Remember the homework I gave you guys last time? I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to ask. I want to, but I'm not going to ask. I want to, I'm not going to ask. The homework I gave you last time was Take a list. We talked about all these kind of resources that you are stewards over, that some of them are spiritual, physical, financial, and relational. I said, make a list of things, resources that God has given you to be a steward over. If you haven't done that, you need to do it. I just want you to have a sense of the categories, because sometimes people they lose track of what God has given them because they don't even think of it as valuable. All right? And because they don't think of it as valuable, then they don't treat it like it's something of value. And then they waste it, and then they, they suffer loss because of something that they mismanaged. Your health is very valuable. If you waste it, there will be a day when you would want to get it back and you won't be able to. Not easily. Now, stuff can happen to you, but you don't have to make it happen by being silly with how you manage your health. Do you see the, see the difference? Now, listen, I didn't say bad stuff can't. Some people do all the right things and bad stuff happen to them, but you can, you can schedule emergencies by doing different things that you know are damaging to you. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Um, now, of the things here, the Apostle Paul says that there are, as a minister, listen to me, preachers, the thing that God expects you to manage for him as the oikonomos and parcel out is the mysteries of Christ. Pastor David, what, what does that mean? That means I'm supposed to be a person who can study the word and get insight into spiritual things and then help people to understand them and digest that word to the point that, that if they act on it and believe it and receive it, that their life moves more in line with Christ's purposes for them. I'm a steward 
of the mysteries of Christ. That's the thing that it's not enough for me to just manage the physical property of this building. And that's important. Praise God through our management. Um, you know, we've upgraded our heating and AC and all of that. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Praise God, because we've managed the physical resource, now people can see us and watch us all over the world from the comfort of their smartphone. Amen. Okay. But if I did all of that and then mismanage the word and give you guys bad doctrine, I have failed as your pastor. I have to be faithful. I have to faithfully articulate the word of God. Some people want to rewrite scripture because it's politically incorrect. I can't. I have to be faithful. Now, you may not like what the Bible says, but it's not your book. You know, you become the creator of the universe, we'll, write, we'll read your book and follow it. You're not. So I don't have the right to rewrite what God wrote, I have to, I, I, our thing is uh, ancient truths faithfully translated. I have to tell you what the word says. Now, listen, um, no person's life completely lines up with scripture except Jesus. He was the only person that has ever walked a planet, that never missed, didn't have a bad day, never missed it. The rest of us are still living up to the standards of scripture. So, Pastor David, why are you telling me that? Because being faithful is not the same thing as being perfect. Faithful means you rise up every day to do the best you can. And you do it when it's convenient and inconvenient, when you feel like it and when you don't. That's the mindset that we have to have. Stewart, be found faithful. Now let's look at Matthew chapter 20. Um, I'm, I'm trying to call an audible here for the sake of time. John, um, go over to the next page, page 11, and then uh, let's, let's look at Luke chapter 12, verses 42 through 48. We'll, we'll deal with that one. This is, this is a passage of scripture that a lot has to do with ministry and ministers, um, but it has some insights in it that I want you to understand. Go ahead. And the Lord said, who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over the master's household to give them their portion of food in due season? This, okay, stop right there for a second. That, in a, in a nutshell, is the stewardship responsibility of me by Jesus as your man of God. I am to be ruler over the household 
to make sure that you eat good, solid spiritual food at the right season. All right. God. Now, remember, what did I say? Stewardship believes that resources have been entrusted to me. The spiritual resource that is given to me is is the word of God, which for you is food. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Got it? The purpose of God making me ruler is to make sure that you always get the food you need. That's why I'm very, you know, sometimes because I'm a bivocational pastor, sometimes I have to cancel services. But I am I have to pray before I cancel a service because I got to make sure you get enough food in the season. You act like you're the only one can preach. No, I don't. Mm -mm. I act like I'm the one that's responsible. Because when I stand in front of Jesus, it ain't going to be because one of the associate ministers said something crazy. Listen, I'm going to fix it. Don't get mad. I'm going to fix it. If you don't trust me, you need to go find you a church where you trust somebody who will tell you the truth. Because that's what Jesus holds me accountable for. That's what he says, isn't it? Go on to the next verse. Blessed is that servant whom when his, who his master will find so doing when he comes. Oh, stop, 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 stop. Right there. That's, that. listen, that for me is shouting ground. I will be blessed if Jesus returns and finds me here preaching the word of God or that the ministry is still, that's what, that's my dream. I wanted to say, David, you was preaching the word and I came and you were still doing the thing that I assigned you to do. That's what a steward, that's what you want to be. You just want to be the person who is faithful when Jesus returns for you. Now, he may return in his second coming or he may just say your assignment here is over. and I'm coming to take you to heaven. Whichever way he comes, however he comes, you want to be faithful until your last breath. All right, go on. Truly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. A person, listen, listen, I believe preachers that God gives us special assignments when he calls us to preach and the pastor. And if you do those special assignments, you get special rewards. Now, if you mess up on that special assignments, you get special punishments. James says you shouldn't just jump up to try to be a preacher. Don't, don't try to be a teacher of the word of God if you, because your punishment is greater. Listen, listen, if I go to hell, my punishment will be greater than the people that I preach to. That ought to... <laughs> I was going to say that ought to scare the hell out of preachers, but that might be too, too tough for your hearing. That ought to make you concerned. I'm just saying, that's what the Bible says. So I understand every time I preach, my eternity is on the line. Ah, oh, it's not that deep. Okay, you, you write your own Bible. But the word of God here tells me that I need to be faithful 
doing the thing that he assigned me to do it and giving them the real food, the meat of the word of God in this season. All right, let's go on to the next verse. But if that servant says in his heart, Jesus ain't coming today. <laughs> My master is delaying in his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants. Stop there. Stop there. Begins to mistreat other workers in that house of the church. Okay, now go on. And to eat and drink and be drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself to do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes, but he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes for everyone to whom much is given for him, much will be required and to whom much has been committed of him. They will ask the more. All right. So you have to steward going back to my PowerPoint. You have to steward according to the revelation of the householder. Listen, I can't feed y'all stuff that I feel like you should eat. I got to ask you, God, what he wants to feed you. All right. But I have to recognize that with stewardship comes judgment. There's going to come a day where God's going to grade me. All right. Um, notice the, the scripture says that the boss or the, the master was away and then the steward started to play eat, drink, and be drunken, and then misuse the other servants. See, listen, as a pastor, I recognize that God is grading me on how I treat you. This is one of, listen, the scripture in Revelation says that Jesus has a sharp two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. Now, this scripture says that if Jesus comes back and I'm not ready, that he'll cut me in half with that sharp sword. Pastor David, I don't know if it mean all of that. I don't, listen, I don't want to find out. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm missing it. But I don't want to bet my eternity on it. So, listen, uh, I don't know about you, but there are scriptures that scare me. This is one of them. Pastor David, why you put all of that stuff in your notes? Because I don't want this to be true. You got to be careful, preachers, how you treat people in the church. Begin to beat the fellow servants. Saying, Jesus ain't coming back yet. My master delays in his coming. If you treat your, if you act like that, this scripture says that he gonna come when you not, when you least expecting him. That seemed very clear to me. Is it clear to you? All right. So when the boss is away, you ever heard this? When the cat's away, the mouse will play. You ever heard that term? People talking about that at work. Like when the boss is not around, then you only work 
when somebody can see you. And the scripture calls that eye service. You're not supposed to only do good work when your boss can see you. The Bible says you're a man pleaser when you do that. But you're supposed to serve God because God can always see you. Just because you can't see him doesn't mean he can't see you. All right. There's another principle that goes with the principle of stewardship. Show this on the screen. The principle of stewardship has another principle, and that principle is the principle of visitation. The principle of visitation says that it's, it, the visitation is the time after a period of faithfulness where God looks over what you've done to promote you. I believe, now listen, Pastor David stakes his whole life and ministry on the principles of stewardship and visitation. I believe if we're faithful with what God has given us after a certain period of time of faithfulness, I don't know how long, I just got to be faithful until, but after a certain period of time, Jesus, God, the Spirit of God comes back, visits me, and promotes me. But that spirit, that, that principle of visitation isn't just in the positive. It's in the positive if I'm doing right. But if I'm doing wrong, then I can come to a period where God visits me and things go way wronger than where they were right now. Sometimes we're seeing people who we know are mismanaging stewardship and we, and we think, man, they're getting away with it. No, visitation just haven't hit yet. Listen, that principle there changed Pastor David's life. If you, if you, if you internalize that, nobody ever have to tell you to get up and go to work. It doesn't matter if the boss on vacation. You, you'll do better when they gone than when they there. You believe that God's going to come and he's going to do something for you.